Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here on a Tuesday. Another round of Jamie's mock draft to go through. We have our picks to make for the conference championship weekend this Sunday. So a lot to get into here on the show. And listen, we got two more weekends of football left to go. Conference championship weekend this week. And then that big game that comes up here in a couple of weeks. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a pretty pretty important one after this week. Uh, you're going to want to get in on the action. So head on over to our friends at Bet Online. They remain the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. Jamie, you dropped round four of your oh, mock draft quattro. today over at thedraftnetwork.com. 48 players. Four times 12 is 48. That's the math on that. Nailed oh. it. And you say you four. can't do math on that other podcast. Listen, that's a group effort on that other podcast. And on that other podcast, we definitely can't do math. Uh, f- so 12 more players to talk about today because 36 have already been uh, selected. You're just nailing this today. We'll go through it as we always do. I'm just all excited that the SAT now is all digital, right? Like that's what you're you're excited about. Uh, I was not an SAT guy. I was an ACT guy. Oh no! Took the ACT. The ACT got me into my. What I say to that? Into my alma mater. The ACT was my score that got me in. Um, I thought you were going to make an ASU joke, but I just we'll we'll just leave it there. I can't. I went there too. That's fair. (laughs) Twelve players. Twelve players to discuss. Uh, here on the show, and I'll do it as I always do. I'll read the pick. I will read the other picks that that team has made to give you a full context of what this team looks like, and then we will discuss the players in question. And, Jamie, let's get it started here. 4.1, the first player coming off the board. This team just drafted C.D. Lamb when we left last week to go along with Devontae Adams and Javante Williams. They are not going with with a running back, even though they only have one right now. They are adding another pass catcher in the form of Darren Waller here with the top pick of the fourth round. This is the fourth tight end off the board. Uh, Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, the other three that have come off the board. Uh, and, and Jamie, this is a this is an interesting player to discuss. I'd love for you to share your thoughts, and then I have some questions for you. Yeah, you know, as I say in the article, which you can read at the draftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab, uh, is it was kind of a weird year for Darren Waller. I think if, if we go into the way back machine at this point, which might, it feels like three years ago, but uh, it was just week one. Remember way back there in week one, dude was a monster. Like 19 targets in that game, put up a 21 and a half fantasy points. It's the Monday Night Football game, right? Against the Ravens. Yeah, and he just is like dominate prime time. It's all him. And then it just really wasn't from that point forward. The next five weeks, he had less than 45 combined fantasy points. He had an injury. He had a bye week, kept him out a couple weeks, and then you know, got hurt on Thanksgiving, which ended his fantasy season. Didn't come back till the final week of the year, week 18, where most championships were over at that point. Uh, he's still a tremendous talent. He's still going to get a, a tremendous target share in that Raiders offense. But I do think this was more of a cautionary tale of pushing him up the board into the Travis Kelsey territory that we were starting to see him in in last year's draft. You know, I, I think to me, he's the clear tight end four. 
I think there's a, a bit of a little bit of a gap after him. So if you this is kind of the range I expect him to go in the the late third, early fourth, because I do think once those other three tight ends are off the board, people are going to see Darren Waller and then they're going to see names like Hawkinson and Pitts and Fryermuth and and then they might go, eh, you know what? I think there's a little bit of a gap there. I, I'm gonna maybe reach a half a round on Darren Waller. At the end of the day, we're still tight end five and average fantasy points per game, but it wasn't anything special. Keep an eye on the Derek Carr situation, obviously, whether or not he returns there, what this offense looks like. But uh, you, you can't go wrong with getting a talent like this. I just think you need to start waiting till the fourth round. Like I'm not going to draft him assuming that he is going to compete for tight end one overall territory. You stole a good number of my talking points there. So that's the last time I let you go first when discussing one of these players. But it is my mock. I, th- I think in fairness... Um, new coaching staff is going to be a thing, right? To see what that looks like, to see what kind of offense they run. If it's something similar, you mentioned that Derek Carr uh, could be gone. I will add these two pieces uh, of information before we move on. In half PPR formats, which is what you are drafting for here in this mock, uh, Darren Waller only had four games scoring 15 points uh, and had four games in which he scored below 10 points to just show you the kind of ups and downs that he had in the season. But I will say this, Jamie, this is going to be a theme that you're going to hear me talk about a lot when we talk about players in this round in particular when I was doing my research. The lasting image on Darren Waller might be one that pushes him up a little bit because the last thing people are going to remember is what he did in that playoff game for the Raiders. Seven catches, 76 yards, 12 targets. That's the image that is frozen in your mind when it comes to drafting next season of man, but he played really good in the playoff game and we'll see if that moves him up a little bit. Look, he's a great player. I I don't want to discount him as a player. I just, you have to be realistic about where the targets are going to go. And do they add another receiver? Are they in the Calvin Ridley sweepstakes? Do they take a Jamison Williams or Drake London? Disrespect Zay Jones like that. Zay Jones had a perfectly fine end of the season. He's not Calvin Ridley, Chris. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah. I'm saying saying is like, look, a lot of targets went – look, there's always going to be a lot of targets to go to Darren Waller. But they were basically just all middle-of-the-field targets for Waller and Renfro down the stretch there. If they get a, a true wide receiver one that's going to eat up some target share, you wonder – again – we're nitpicking here, but those are other factors to consider for him going forward. They're still searching for that vertical threat down the field, right? Yes. And, and they, they don't have that in their current makeup. And I don't think as much as I've, you know, the Zay Jones stand here on this show, that Look, he's, not, is he's not that. I mean, he's a vertical threat, but he's not a wide receiver one. And there's a difference. Yes. My first bone to pick with you in the fourth round of this mock draft. I do not like your next selection. Okay. It's an, it's another Raider that comes off the board here with 4.2. Josh Jacobs joining Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, and George Kittle. And, and Jamie, tell me why you don't like it first. So I, I will make tell any of my points. I will tell you. It, part of it is that when you look at this team, Josh Jacobs being your RB1 doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies on the inside. I like what you've done here with these other picks in Jefferson, Tyree Kill, and George Kittle. But Josh Jacobs, going into, into the season with Josh Jacobs as, as your RB1, doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. Uh, finishes the RB19 this year in half PPR uh, and is the 18th running back off the board here. So basically kind of where he finished last year. And the thing that I would say, Jamie, is there are a couple of running backs right behind him, I think, if, of the guys that are left, that I would feel more comfortable with the upside of RB1. Um, 
J.K. Dobbins potentially coming back, Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Michael Carter, who we may or may not get to in a, in a couple of picks. Those are just some of the names that I feel like from an upside perspective, I would like more than, than Josh Jacobs here. But I understand that I think your argument to me is going to be the floor for Jacobs is a little bit higher than those guys. And so you need kind of that standard I know what I'm going to get from Josh Jacobs. You need that re- reassuring force because this team doesn't have a running back yet. That's what you're going to yeah, say to yeah, me? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you kind of nailed what my point was going to be here. And this is this comes back to preference because you could talk about upside. No, no, Josh Jacobs does not have the same upside as a couple other running backs on the board. But he also doesn't have the same downside as them either. And, and as frustrating as it is to kind of – as somebody that has rostered Josh Jacobs in two of the last three years in various fantasy formats – He's an unbelievably frustrating player to have on your team, and I get it. Uh, but he has – he's going to get the volume. He should continue to get the volume with the new coaching staff. He's going to have touchdown upside. I think that the thing that is disappointing about Jacobs overall is really the lack of those boom games from him. He had no 20-plus point games last year. And, and I think that's what really hurts it because he really only had four single digit point games. So he wasn't busting very often, but he didn't hit those boom games. Like you always seem to get 11, 12, 13, 14 points from Josh Jacobs, which is nothing to scoff at, but you kind of hope that when you have, you know, where he was going in fantasy drafts each of the last few years, you were hoping to have some like matchup winning potential in some of those games. And he wasn't there, but I do like his floor. I don't think there's a ton of risk with him aside from injury. And on a team like this, you're starting out with two elite wide receivers, Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill. You're having an elite tight end in George Kittle. To me, at that point, you're you're going to have such a high bar to get. I think you need to go with some floor options at RB1 and RB2 and then go upside on your bench at that position. And that's kind of why I lean to Josh Jacobs here for this team. And I'll tell you what, if the knock against Josh Jacobs is that he doesn't have that, bo- that boom potential and he's just a high floor guy, I think – to your point, Jamie, that might be more attractive to what is the one-liner that I could say about Elijah Mitchell, J.K. Dobbins, Michael Carter, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Travis Etienne. The one-liner on all those guys is a lot of risk, right? Yes. Travis Etienne, haven't seen him in the NFL. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we've, it's been up and down for two seasons with him. J.K. Dobbins coming off of a major injury, and you can't just look at what Cam Akers and did and say it's, yeah. it's going to be the same thing, right? So the, the one-liners for those guys – compared to the one-liner for Josh Jacobs is very different, and it's just, to your point, what your preference is. And so Jacobs did set a career high in receptions or whatnot, so it doesn't, this doesn't fit quite the way it used to fit, although it's still not a huge level of production. But I always looked at Josh Jacobs as the, for fantasy purposes, as the poor man's Nick Chubb, in the sense that you are reliant on him being a double-digit touchdown guy, having a high floor, but because he's not going to be a guy that's going to get you five for 50 and a touchdown out of the backfield as a receiver from time to time, he's not going to have a lot of matchup winning potential. The difference with Nick Chubb is, is he could score two or three touchdowns in a given game. That's not something you're going to see from Josh Jacobs. That's why. So I look at that as like the poor man's Nick Chubb for fantasy purposes in terms of what to expect from him as the high floor player that has that limited upside. You mentioned Nick Chubb. Let's go to the team that Nick Chubb is on 4.3 Nick Chubb, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle joining them. One of the guys that I think I would take in front of uh, Josh Jacobs, but I'm a little biased here. Michael Carter, running back for the New York Jets. And, and Jamie, a, a very good rookie season uh, for a guy who yes. dra- drafted not on day one, a 
a guy that didn't know what we didn't know what his role was going to be. You and I talked a lot about Michael Carter in the pre-draft process leading up to this of what this would look like. Uh, very excited uh, with what Michael Carter's long-term future is here, and he ends up being a top 48 player for you, at least in the way-too-early mock for next season. So uh, I want to bring everybody back to okay. a conversation that we had. Oh, no. Actually, 51 weeks ago. Oh, no. Exactly. Did you, that's what you were doing? I saw you frantically typing, yeah. looking for me to say, oh, F- no. 51 weeks ago, when we had this Michael Carter discussion last year coming in. Okay. And it was the point of why I had, you know, it was like him versus Javante Williams versus, uh, you know, Najee and Etienne and all these other guys. And, you know, and what I had Michael Carter in the sixth round last year. And a big reason why was I thought he would be able to make a impact uh, a sixth round, by the way, fantasy drafts, not sixth round of real life, but sixth round of fantasy drafts last year because I thought he would be a guy that could make an instant impact or a quick impact because of his pass catching upside. And we saw that this year. And I thought I saw a better overall runner than mm-hmm. I anticipated uh, this year as well. You know, I, I don't expect the Jets to bring in another running back of any significance. Maybe they bring in a cheap veteran, but I don't expect them to use draft capital. Uh, I expect them to keep Carter and Ty Johnson as the guys with maybe. You know, whether they want, whether Michael P. Ryan earns his way back into favor as a third option or they bring in a veteran running back. I don't think anybody is going to take significant touches away from a healthy Michael Carter next year. And, and that stretch there where he really started to get going from weeks five to 11, he was a top 15 running back in fantasy points per game. So we've seen the upside with him there. I expect this offense to look a lot better in general. I, I saw some sparks from LaFleur and Zach Wilson and company toward the end of the year that I'm really excited about. I know nobody else that wasn't watching the Jets probably saw any of that stuff, but uh, I'm actually encouraged about what this Jets offense could be next year uh, relative to where it was the last couple years going into next season. So I expect Michael Carter to be uh, a very strong value pick that you could probably get later than this, I would guess, uh, when, when early ADP comes out, but... To me, I think he's a, a clear top 50 player that needs to be off the board in that stretch. I'll tell you what, Jamie, and I don't I don't necessarily like doing this, but I think it's an important note to make. His two best fantasy performances of the season, when you just look at the individual points that he scored, the two best performances came without Zach Wilson under center for the New York Jets. That's got to give you confidence that the more Zach Wilson understands this offense. And by the way, those two games, if you remember, I think one was against Cincinnati and the other was, was I think, the game against India. He had like a nine-catch game. So important to know, that's early in the Mike LaFleur era of being the offensive coordinator. And we saw the difference that that LaFleur had as a play caller in the second half of the season. So I think the more that... Carter is in the backfield with Zach Wilson as the quarterback is going to help him. And I think year two of LaFleur as a play caller in the National Football League is going to be important. And Jamie, to your point, before he got hurt, from week three up until when he got hurt, 50% of the snaps at a minimum for Michael Carter on offense. He was getting touches. So he was He's out there the on guy. the field and getting an opportunity. So they may look to bring in a, a sort of a bigger bruiser back, either via free agency or via the draft. Um, I wouldn't rule that out per se, but this is going to be Michael Carter's backfield for the foreseeable future. This year cemented that uh, for me. Uh, 4.4, Jamie. Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, and Mark Andrews. And they are joined by a guy that it had to hurt. It had to pain you on the inside that this guy fell this far down the board terry mclaurin wide receiver for the washington football team it's literally the first round uh the first sentence of my write-up here man i really wish i had terry mclaurin higher than wide receiver 17 and i do 
The problem is, is we made this mistake last year where we just assumed, oh, well, he's just going to get a massive upgrade in quarterback play. Let's push him right up the board. It's going to be great. Well, because didn't didn't you cake in the fact that you, the, that, and I, I wrote this. We in thought Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the guy. Sure. Yeah. We no. didn't expect him to play what, like 19 snaps and never play again. But. No, I, so I, my, my point was that we kind of thought that Terry McLaurin was quarterback proof. We thought he was, no matter who's under center, it's yeah. not going to be a problem. So that, with the fact of, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starter, that's not like insert list of every quarterback that Terry McLaurin's had the ball, throwing Terry McLaurin the ball. You assume that it was going to be a better season for him. Well, no Ryan Fitzpatrick, and it's clearly not quarterback proof. He's clearly not. No, no. And it's... You know, look, he's still in the games he played. He still finished as a top 25 wide receiver uh, in total points. Uh, he started you know, the season he, good. Yeah, he started the season good. Look, three 20 point performances through the first eight weeks, but the second half was not very good. No, it wasn't. And, and Washington got regressed. And look, at the end of the day, he finishes the wide receiver 34 on a points per game basis. Boomer like, bust. Not, not what you wanted from him. I don't see how the quarterback play is worse, but there's also a thing of like, if Washington takes a rookie quarterback, that's obviously great for Washington's long-term future, potentially. But it's not necessarily going to make a massive jump in Terry McLaurin's 2022 fantasy value. And I think that has to be... So they could make an upgrade at the quarterback position from a franchise standpoint, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an upgrade from a fantasy standpoint in year one. But as we're going to talk about a lot in this round and going forward, you know, especially as we start getting outside of the top 40, outside of the top 50, you want to bet on supreme talents when they become available to you. And Terry McLaurin is a supreme talent. So I'm going to t- bet on him. Uh, and again, he's coming in here as, as, a, as a wide receiver too. So that limits some of that risk a little bit. You're not drafting him as like the wide receiver 10, wide receiver 11, wide receiver 12 is where he was going last year. You know, right now he's going and he's sitting behind on this particular team, Cooper Cup. A little mini run here on wide receivers for the next couple of picks at 4.5. We talk about Adam Thielen, Jamie. He joins Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, and Calvin Ridley on this team. And I think there are a lot of question marks about Adam Thielen. It's getting older, ankle injury, don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And oh, by the way, he's got a young upstart wide receiver that's taken over that wide receiver one role there in Minnesota. There's a lot to factor in here when you're talking about Adam Thielen. There is, but he's also incredibly productive. And he's been incredibly productive with Justin Jefferson also being incredibly productive. And I think this is where you have to balance this out. And I speak to this a little bit in the write-up as well, because I think there are the two points. There's the Chris on your shoulder, and then there's the Jamie on your shoulder. Chris <laughs> on your shoulder says, you know, he's had a season-ending ankle injury. He's going to be 32 by the time the next regular season kicks off. And we're not necessarily sure Kirk Cousins is going to be back. Likely, but not sure. The Jamie on your shoulder says he was the wide receiver 14 in average fantasy points per game, finished as a top 25 wide receiver in total points despite missing three games during the fantasy season. He's always in the end zone. He's continuously productive. And I'm only going to be paying, you know, a, a mid-level wide receiver two price tag for a guy that's continuously provided more value. So there is that risk reward that you have to balance. But to me, he does have a chance to be a top 12 wide receiver. And getting him here at wide receiver 18, I think, mitigates some of the risk that you have. The ankle injury does not appear to be something that's going to be something that would bother him even to minicamp. So there's really no reason to believe that particular injury is going to linger now that he's had surgery. And so you're really just concerned about the age and the quarterback situation, which we will see. Now, if it's Kellen Mond throwing him the ball next year, 
everybody's going to take a, a, a dip in that Minnesota offense. But uh, I don't think they're going to move on from Kirk Cousins but via trade, but we will see. I'll tell you what. That team's interesting that you've put together there. Najee, DeAndre Swift, Calvin Ridley, and Adam Thielen. It's an interesting group, the, the 4.5 or Team 5 in this scenario. Um, 4.6, the run on wide 7, technically? Whatever. Okay. So, like, you start with odd rounds? You were doing so good with the math, Chris. Yeah, I told you we wouldn't make the whole show. Uh, Hollywood Brown, 4.6. Wide receiver one. Uh, so, uh, I have, I got a lot of notes on this one. He oh, I'm sure, but Chris- let me go first on this one. because Okay, I, can I, I just I, hold on? He joins Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, and Chris Godwin. Okay, go ahead, Jamie. Can, can I talk now? Go ahead. Okay. No. The reason why I really want to talk about this one is because Brown had such a bad finish to the season, particularly once Lamar Jackson went out, that I think he's going to be one of the best values in 2022 fantasy drafts going forward. He was with Lamar Jackson at quarterback uh, to begin the season. Wide receiver 13 and average fantasy points per game in those 11 games that he played with, with Lamar Jackson. And he had six of those games with 16 or more fantasy points. Oh, yeah. I've got those notes. Don't you worry. Once Jackson got hurt, he never had another double-digit performance. You want all my notes. uh, Yeah. I mean, I wrote this in the article, Chris. You could have just read the article. Oh, I don't read your your articles. Well, that's nice. Do you click, though? I do. I click. If you read, do you click it? No, I click on them, yes. Uh, But so, so to me, yes, you have to consider that Poor end of the season, potential rise of Rashad Bateman, which I do think is going to be Bateman's going to be a player next year for, for this team. And even the chances they bring in another option at wide receiver. They're still looking for the Sammy Watkins that, that, that they didn't get. Uh, but dude was having a true wide receiver one caliber breakout season with Lamar. And then Lamar got hurt, sick, all the other things that have happened over the course of the season for Lamar Jackson. And the fantasy value tanked. I'm going to buy back in at this price here, where I think he's going to go as a low-end wide receiver too, knowing I've got actually low-end wide receiver one upside for him. Chris, you may now read the remainder of your notes. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot because I, I agree 100%. You and I are in agreement on this player. Um, but just to add to the, how good he was in the first half, six games of double-digit points, two 20-plus point performances, and four of those six games were double-digit target games with Lamar as his quarterback. Well, guess what? I don't know if you know this, Jamie, but Lamar Jackson plans to be the quarterback there in Baltimore next season. So I'll take the first half over the second half. Now, yes, there there's risk associated with we saw how good Mark Andrews was at the end of the season. And does that change the way they run this offense? Rashad Bateman emerged. There are a lot of different factors. But Hollywood Brown in the first half of the season when Lamar was the quarterback was very, very good. And to get him here in the fourth round, I think is a steal. Okay. Okay. Next, the next player You've I want to talk about. for me to, to get this player off the board. And the reason why I want to talk about this player is because I think you're wrong here, but not for the reason that you might think. So 4.7, Elijah Mitchell comes off the board here to join Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. Do you want to go first? Where to God, if you you bring up the name Trey Sermon, I'm going to find No. No, here's okay. what I'm going to do. Here's okay. what I – I am going to mention Trey Sermon, but no, I'm, this is not me being the Trey Sermon stand that I was okay. in the offseason. San Francisco's in the conference championship game this Sunday. They're on a playoff run that's been pretty magical in a lot of ways. I don't think people expect them to get this far. They are doing it in large part because of two players, Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. Agree so far? We're all in agreement. Remember earlier when I talked about... But but yeah. The point I'm making here... But for fantasy purposes, yes, 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 yes. Thank you. 
Remember earlier in the show when we were talking about Darren Waller, I said the lasting image that people have can impact them. Yes. I think this is a case where Elijah Mitchell, the lasting image is going to be, man, that guy helped the San Francisco 49ers make a run to the Super Bowl conference NFC championship game. That's what's going to be in everybody's mind. So when they run to draft in June, July, August, whenever you do your your fantasy draft, they're going to forget about Jeff Wilson. They're going to forget about Trey Sermon. They're going to forget about how Kyle Shanahan might just sign a running back just because he feels like it and then make that guy the lead running back here in the San Francisco offense because that's who Kyle Shanahan is. So, Jamie, the, the, where I think you're quote-unquote wrong is I don't think Elijah Mitchell's even close to being on the board here at this pick because I think people are going to draft him way higher than this. So, Chris, I don't disagree with you. Remember, this is not predictive in terms of where I think they're This is what you would do. Yes. This yes. is what I would do. Uh, I agree with you. Elijah Mitchell is going higher than this. I would be cautious about taking him higher than this because, look, and, and, and he comes in right now uh, is RB20. That, that is where he ends up falling for me in, in this mock. My concern is, is literally everything you said, is that we is Kyle Shanahan has a penchant for never using the same lead backs consistently year over year. Remember all, all the hype we had for Raheem Mostert. Remember all the hype we've had for Jeff Wilson. Remember all the hype we've had for insert running back here. Something his dad did too, if you remember from the days in, in Denver watching Tatum Bell, Mike Bell, Ruben Drones, players of that caliber. The talent, I mean, Mitchell is an extremely talented player. We knew that. We thought he would be a, a fun late-round pick there. Just we stopped paying attention because he was the second running back in the draft that the Niners took behind Trey Sermon, which again, at the time of the pick, I turned to the guys and said, turned to Josh Norris of Underdog Fantasy, and I said, I don't get this. Does not make sense to me. Does not fit in that offense and was absolutely a disastrous rookie season for him. Uh, we'll see if he has a chance to get back on the field next year. But there are going to be backs there. It's probably not going to be Raheem Mostert. He's, he's no. going to be gone. But uh, now, will they bring another back? Will he be the lead guy? Will Debo Samuel be the number one running back? Next <laughs> year? Who knows? Uh, but look, Elijah Mitchell is absolutely worthy of going as an RB2. He's going to go higher than this, and I realize that I'm probably going to be lower on him right now. I just think there's a lot of risk factor in him keeping his job that I don't really have in other guys. Like Josh Jacobs isn't going to lose his job. Michael Carter isn't going to lose his job. Uh, not for like non-injury reasons, I mean. You know, some of these other guys, Leonard Fournette, wherever he ends up, David Montgomery, wherever. So some of these guys that he's probably going to go in the same range as, if not a little bit higher than, I just feel a little bit more comfortable in less external factors taking away from his opportunity to get touches. It's not a talent issue. And yes, I expect Mitchell to go higher than this, but this is kind of where I'd feel comfortable taking him as of right now. I think right now, in my opinion, the lowest I think Elijah Mitchell would go if you did a draft right now would be the back half of the second round, the beginning of the third round. Then that's the lowest I think he would go. I think somebody would draft him higher than that. I really do. That, that's where he goes. I have zero shares of Elijah Mitchell. Next and time. I agree. I agree. But I, I think that's where the public perception of him is. I wonder is. if anybody's okay. in drafts yet. For the next player, Jamie, can you just humor me for a second, Okay. The, joining Joe Mixon, Debo Samuel, and David Montgomery on pick 4.8 is DJ Moore. Okay. Now, one of your favorites. I want to share with you, and this is a visual thing, so you'll just have to react to it. I want to share to you, share with you. What is with you with I, visual cues on the audio I know. podcast? These are my notes. You can see all my notes, right? I got okay, a lot of notes here. You can. Okay, you so can, I see notes. Everybody has like two or three right, dashes. They've got notes. Or, I want you to read the people the only things oh, I could wow. write down for DJ Moore. This is it. This is all I okay. came up with. All right. So there, there are two notes, and they are, unlike the other notes, are written in all caps. All caps. And it says, one, 
get DJ Moore, a QB, please and thank you. And the second one is, this man is going to have to catch passes from Sam Darnold and plays getting called by Ben McAdoo. That's it. That's all I've got for you. That is my fantasy analysis here for DJ Moore. That is all I could think about when I was doing my research. Ben McAdoo's calling plays and Sam Darnold's throwing him passes. Help DJ Moore, please. Trade him somewhere, please. Somebody call up the Carolina Panthers and save DJ Moore, please. Yeah, you're kind of drafting him at what I think his non-injury floor is, but I think you kind of almost in this spot, but you almost kind of have to. Like, as you said, like, it looks like Sam Darnold's going to be the starting quarterback next year. They're paying him a bajillion dollars. Check down champion Ben McAdoo, call and plays in a what looks to be a close to be a lame duck season for Matt Rule. Uh, I just he's going to have some, you want to bet on the talent. I keep saying that he's going to have some monster games because he's a monster player. But man, I'd be worried. Like the, he he has nothing around him that inspires confidence. There's nothing in his ecosystem that says that is giving him a benefit or raising him above his talent level. And that's really frustrating. Uh, 4.9 joining him. Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, and Deontay Johnson. Amari Cooper. Jones' favorite player. And, and okay, Jamie, thank you. Perfect segue. It's why we work so well together. I was going to ask you this because you shared with me a long, long time ago what this looked like, but I know you've constantly made changes to it as information has happened. There have been rookies that have been removed from them because they have chosen to not go into the draft. Yeah, like Charbonnet. Yeah, you Zach Charbonnet. Anyway. By the way, we, no, but, I think we're getting into rookies in the next couple of rounds. Perfect. Not, so not Zach today. Charbonnet would have been in here uh, in this draft at some point. Somewhere. He's no longer. Yes. Jamie had to remove him. So, Jamie, you do react to the news and things that happen. Did Jerry Jones's comments about Amari Cooper not living up to his production and his contract did that did that influence you? Did you make a change no. because of that? Okay, no, don't care. Um, Mark Cooper's not the problem, and I, I don't think Mark Cooper's a player that's going to be worried about Jerry Jones saying that and, and have this performance tank. Uh, you know, this is another guy uh, very much in the Darren Waller category that went berserk on opening night. If you remember. Go Thursday all night, the way Tampa back. Bay Buccaneers. Dallas, Tampa Bay. 13, 139, and two on 17 targets is how he opened the season. And then it was very underwhelming after there. He still finishes the wide receiver 25 in average fantasy points per game, but he felt like a guy that you liked more as a flex option than as a must start every single week as a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. And look, but everything about that team, we talk about the, the antithesis of Carolina like he's got the quarterback play he's got offensive coordinator that you like he's got key pieces do we still like Kellen Moore are we still in yeah everybody kind of every I'm not gonna kind of I'm not I'm not gonna change my opinion based on one game okay just making sure I'm not I'm not gonna do that but uh to me at the price tag I think you're gonna get him here where we're talking like late wide receiver twos I'm I'd be more than happy to take him here I'm not gonna pay a top 15 price tag again but I, I do think he is absolutely worthy of going here among the late wide receiver twos and all. And I would love, like, if I go into the season with him as a wide receiver two, I'm going to be very thrilled. And I think that that's kind of how I feel like with a lot of these guys because, you know, if, if I get that elite out, and in this case, you're getting Deontay Johnson as the wide receiver one on this team, I'm more than happy to get Amari Cooper as the wide receiver two because he's going to have some boom games. He's going to have a fairly high floor. And the reality is his floor is probably like wide receiver third. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's going to absolutely tank your season. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, Jamie. I, I think it's interesting because there's a chance that Amari Cooper is not on the Dallas Cowboys next season. They which, would have be some, even, which might be a benefit depending on where he goes. Sure. He's the but, clear wide receiver one somewhere. Can I also offer you a potential benefit to staying? Yes, you can. They might not be able to pay Dalton Schultz. They might not be able to bring back Michael Gallup. The well, they're not bringing op- back Michael Gallup. The other options in that offense might go away. Well, that's the other thing, too. Which could Schultz help him. might be gone, as you said. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson. Wilson. Isaiah Wilson. Uh, Cedric Wilson and Michael Gallup could be gone. Uh, I, I agree. This is this is an interesting scenario. It's why I had C.D. Lamb as high as I had. I just think it, so- it, we have to be cognizant of where he kind of was this year. But I love him in this spot. Even if you took him one or two picks higher, I'd be perfectly okay. To me, just the difference is, is like he – if you took him above DJ Moore – I could get it. Just to me, it's like more of the talent level here. Like, I, like him and Adam, I kind of feel like the same, but like him and Adam Thielen kind of feel like the same type of player to me in terms of fantasy yeah. value. Not and stylistically think, or age and all the other stuff, but in terms of like high floor guys that could spike into top 15 territory, but like their downside is really probably like wide receiver 30. Like they don't have a, a low floor. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Jimmy, the, the, the reason I made that point is because I wanted to emphasize that there's a scenario in which Amari Cooper leaving is probably good for him because he can go to a place where he's a wide receiver one. But there's also a very realistic scenario where his situation gets better by him staying. There, there's a scenario where his situation greatly improves. Uh, 4.10, joining Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, and A.J. Brown, the forgotten man in the Cincinnati offense, T. Higgins, comes off the board here at 4.10. And yes, in a season in which everyone's talking about Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, if you listen to this show, you know how we feel about Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins, the forgotten man, and uh, should be forgotten no longer because he had a very good season. He did. He had a very strong season as well. Wide receiver 13, average fantasy points per game. Uh, had a, obviously a monster, monster finish. From weeks 12 through 17, Higgins was the number four wide receiver in overall scoring. Four of his Behind six only, touchdowns came in the last six weeks of the season. Yeah. Behind only Cooper Cup. Devontae Adams. Okay, that's a good group. And Amon Ross St. Brown. What a group. What a group. <laughs> to finish the season One of strong. these things is not hey, like the other. No, don't you disrespect Amon Ross St. Brown. Like Amon St. Brown is great. Amon Ross St. Brown is not one of the three best receivers in the NFL. Stop. He was at the end of the season. He was stop. playing that way at the end of the season. Stop it. Take the it that you have and stop. Uh, but look, he's got Higgins, upper tier quarterback throwing on the ball. Joe Burrow's been absolutely sensational. He's got uh, Higgins got a monster physical tool set to exploit any defense. There's going to be a lot of focus on Jamar Chase going forward. Higgins is not is going to get more favorable matchups. It's not going to get double teams. I feel like I'm going to probably have him higher than this wide receiver 22 spot as we get closer to the season. And I think his his he might be a, a decent value as well, despite his big end of the season. Because I think all the love is going to go for Jamar Chase and maybe T. Higgins gets forgotten about at least a little bit heading into fantasy drafts. Jamie, if you will mind me, uh, I want to lump the next two picks together. So 4.11 joining uh, Jonathan Taylor, Travis Kelsey, and Keenan Allen is DK Metcalf, wide receiver for Seattle. And for 4.12, Derrick Henry, Mike Evans, and Leonard Fournette joining that team, wide receiver for Seattle, Tyler Lockett. You can see why now I wanted to lump these two together because I think the talking points are very similar for both guys. And Jamie, I will allow you – the floor is entirely yours – to take the microphone, to do as many victory laps as you would like on DK Metcalf. It is all yours, my friend. Well, I don't want to necessarily take a victory lap here. I want to discuss why we need to have some question marks out the way. Why we need to be cautious with DK Metcalf in particular, but the Seattle wide receivers, at least until we have some clarity on Russell Wilson. That is A, 
biggest, most important point. Who is throwing DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett the football next year? For DK Metcalf specifically, let's talk about him because he's the one that comes off at 411. He's the wide receiver two on a team that has Jonathan Taylor as their top running back, Travis Kelsey at tight end, and now Keenan Allen and DK Metcalf at wide receiver. I'm not doubting his talent. I'm not doubting his ability to have matchup winning performances. Like we know what DK Metcalf is. But this is the second consecutive year that he has absolutely tanked his fantasy value in the second half of the year. And this year you could say, oh, 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 Jamie, wait, wait, wait. But Russell Wilson in the finger and he missed time and Geno Smith and then he came back and wasn't. Okay, that's fair. What was his excuse last year? And to me, this is a concerning trend that he gets off the hot starts and then gets taken out of the game. Uh, there's almost he gets Kingsburyed in the second half. We're just like all this wow. fun stuff happens in the first half wow. and then just the value just goes away and there's no creativity. So this has happened two years in a row. It needs to be a concern. The potential that Russell Wilson isn't in Seattle needs to at least be considered as we're doing this mock draft here on January the 25th. Uh, so this is kind of where he lands to me in the back end of wide receiver two territory. Uh, I'm just like, he can have some matchup winning performances. He's going to go higher than this. I'm going to consistently, it's like DK Metcalf, Saquon Barkley, and Odo Beckham Jr. guys have always been lower on the last two years than everybody else. And I understand that. And I'm going to be lower on at least two of them, if not all three of them again next year. But I, I just think that the risk, if you haven't had DK Metcalf on your fantasy team these last couple of years, you probably don't know the extent of how frustrating it has been in the back half of the season in the fantasy playoffs to have him on your roster. I would imagine a lot of people that have drafted him aren't that eager to draft him again at what his ADP, ADP will be next year. Uh, you want to quickly talk about Tyler Lockett as well? I mean, I, it, it, no second half struggles, but I think a lot of the same things apply of, hello, who the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks is going to be next season. Yeah, and, and he was very boomer bust. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you look at the the first eight weeks of the year, you had three 20 plus point games. And all the other five were 8.2 points or less. And like he came out, he was struggled coming out of Seattle's bye week. Then it finished strong. This kind of feels like this wide receiver two, wide receiver three border, uh, which I believe he's right here, wide receiver 24 right now. So he's right on that line. That seems right because you're going to get some wide receiver one. You're going to get a lot of wide receiver three, wide receiver four performances. You're going to have to kind of deal with that scenario. He, like Metcalf, you still have to consider the fact that might not have Russell Wilson throwing them the ball right now, which probably knocked them down a few spots. They should they would be closer to the top of this round for me if I was guaranteed that Russell Wilson was going to be there next year. But I just to me, it's and this is one of those guys I'd like more in best ball just because I want to be able to take advantage of every time he plays the Cardinals and gets 150 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> and I don't want to have to deal with all of these five, six, seven, eight point performances that you get in between. Four rounds in the books, 48 players. You mentioned them, Jamie, there at the tail end of players that you, you're not going to rank very highly. We've made it through 48 players, and you haven't talked about Saquon Barkley yet. I'm sure Twitter's going to be very happy with you uh, to see where he lands on the Sorry. show. We'll, we'll have to save that. Save that to see where he does land, if he does land in this uh, this mock draft. Uh, Jamie, he, let's make, he, yes, he will go in the first eight. Rounds. Come on, dude. You shouldn't. You should have left it out there that he might, he that he might not. He will go in the first eight It rounds. would have been a good gimmick. He, he, he's going to go in the first eight rounds. But does he picks. go on next week's show? We'll find out. We have Maybe to make not. picks for the games this weekend. After going over four, I will try to rebound very nicely here. Uh, are we making picks against the spread via our friends over at Bet Online? Sure. Why not? Okay. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Cincinnati Bengals. They are seven and a half point favorites as we are doing the show. Uh, I will take the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and the minus seven and a half. 
It's up to seven and a half now. Okay. Come on, Jamie. That, that offensive line, they're not going to get away with what they got away with against Tennessee. They gave up nine sacks and won a football game. It's not going to happen. No, I'm, I'm picking the Chiefs. Okay. I'm picking the Chiefs. I don't want to disrespect Cincinnati, though, because they absolutely deserve to be here. Sure. Uh, I love the Joe Burrow mentality of, like, stop calling us underdogs. We're not underdogs. We, this is the expectation. They're going to give Kansas City a fight. The problem is, is I, I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up with them if that offensive line plays like it has for large portions of the season. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference in this game. Kansas City's got a lot of momentum, a lot of firepower. Their arrowhead's a tough, tough pace to play. Uh, I'm going to take the, the Chiefs here, but I think this is going to be a competitive game. The Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the San Francisco 49ers. And since all four road teams won last weekend, I'll pick a road team this weekend. Give me the San Francisco 49ers. I think the way they're playing defensively has been very good. They beat this team in this building in the last week of the regular season uh, to make the playoffs. And they were all healthy. Everybody was there. Um, listen, when, I when you take the 49ers in, in a gambling fashion – you're just every time Jimmy Garoppolo drops back, you're worried. You you panic a little bit. Yeah, every time they don't hand the ball off, it's right. You're just oh no, you know but what out of me. I think he he plays relatively mistake free football. They can run the ball. They can play defense. They have the recipe that you need to win on the road. The Rams squeaked out a victory last week. Give me give me Kyle Shanahan. Give me the 49ers making another Super Bowl trip. I'm doing it. So. If I'm picking against the spread, I'm going to take the Niners and the points, but I think the Rams win this game. Uh, I do think this is going to be a very close game. I think it's going to come down to a last-second field goal, which is we saw a lot of this past weekend. The Niners have undoubtedly had LA's number. Six straight wins. They've been able to run the ball down their throat. They had a unbelievable comeback in Week 18 to get into the playoffs by, by beating the Rams. And again, the Rams needed to win to ensure that they won the division. They won the division anyway. There's no home field advantage at SoFi, sorry. Other than the fact that you get to sleep in your own bed, which I do, which counts as we talked about on the show before. I do think sleeping in your own bed and, and all that stuff is a factor, but there's not going to be an additional, it's not like an arrowhead home field advantage by any means. And by the way, home field advantage is now overrated considering what's happened the last three years where it statistically does not play out like it used to. But regardless, um, I, I do think the Rams are a more talented team. And I know the more talented team didn't necessarily win that game. Uh, in Green Bay. But my concern is going to be, can the Niners keep up for the full game? They're going to need another defensive performance like they got uh, from their team last weekend, this weekend, in order to win. Because, Mike, I just don't believe in Garoppolo, and I don't believe in that offense to move the ball consistently time and time again. They're going to need their defense to have another otherworldly performance. And I still have concerns about the secondary We'll see how things go for them there. But uh, I think this is a last second walk off type of a game. So give me the Rams if you're taking the money line, but I'm going to take the three and a half points I'm going to get for San Francisco. Uh, that's it for us here on the Tuesday edition of the show. The next time that Jamie and I talk to you, we'll actually be in person. We will be doing we the will. show live and in person Sunday night. Following Mobile, Alabama. The, uh, for the senior bowl we're in the we're at the senior bowl next week um, in Mobile. You know, Jamie, I, 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 I don't want to tease too much. But some different kind of content coming from the TDN Fantasy Podcast next week. Oh, yeah. Because we'll talk about some of the things that we are seeing while we're there. Uh, maybe we'll try to sneak in an extra episode if we have the time. Jimmy and I are both going to be pretty should. busy. But I think we'll we should find a, a way couple. to do it. 
We'll sneak some bonus episodes in next week for you guys while we're there. But we're back Sunday night. We'll recap both conference championship games. We'll let you know uh, what the plan is for the week uh, as we are in the senior senior bowl in Mobile. Because I'm sure a lot of you dynasty formats want to know where these what these rookies look like when they're out there. Uh, we're going to get to see a good uh, a good portion of them, all the quarterbacks, about a good portion of the wide receivers and running backs. It should be fun uh, to be down there next week. So, uh, Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media? And if they want to read the deep dive into uh, the mock draft, where can they find that as well? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And if you look under the fantasy tab at thedraftnetwork.com, you'll be able to find the way too early 2022 mock draft that now has the first four rounds. Follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. Again, we're back Sunday to pre- to uh, recap the conference championship Sunday to see what the Super Bowl matchup is. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.